podcast. Thanks so much for joining us today. It is day 10 of our fast and wrong thinking. And today we are fasting from the thought that says I'm feeling offended. Today, we've got a throwback message from Gregory Dickow all about the power of a soft heart and how to truly be free from offense, especially when people mistreat you. Enjoy. I want to talk about an epidemic that is spreading in our world. This epidemic is spreading and carrying around this world, around our nation, around our neighborhoods. It even makes its way into the church. It's a disease that sadly and unfortunately we've all carried this disease at one time or another and spread it to somebody else. But today we're going to be healed of this disease that has become an epidemic in our world. And I don't know if you've ever heard of this disease, but it's called offendinitis. Offendinitis. And you know what offendinitis is? Offendinitis is a skin disease that causes what used to be thick skin to become very thin. Offendinitis. It's afflicted so many people. And it's time for us to learn how to overcome it. And I'll tell you the biggest reason why Satan wants people offended. Well, because you're not effective, you're, you, you cease to be effective in life when you're offended, carrying a grudge, bitter, negative, unforgiving. Listen, now the devil doesn't steal your money. He doesn't steal your family. He doesn't steal your joy. He doesn't steal your peace. He doesn't steal your health. What the devil comes to steal is the word of God that is sown in your heart. So every time you hear God's word, Satan comes to try to steal it and rob your heart from God's word. And the way that he uses one of the, the most effective tool that Satan uses, and this is, you think about it, this is real spiritual warfare, right? Because he uses these tools to steal from you, to steal the word of God from you. And one of the tools that he uses is called offense. We get offended and Satan uses that sense of um, of being hurt, being offended, being, you know, having this low tolerance for other people's flaws, shortcomings, weaknesses or something they said about you or did to you. An injustice that was done to you causes you to be offended or you take up the offense and bitterness of somebody else where injustice was done. And this is no uh, there, there, there's no excuse for injustice. We we want to uh, we want to live in a far more just world than the unjust world that we live in. And frankly, we want we want something even better than justice. We should want mercy, because if it was justice that each of us received, then oftentimes it wouldn't it wouldn't be pretty. Because we've all done some stuff that um, that doesn't deserve. Uh, that that won't, won't result in a good harvest or a good consequence to some of the things we've thought, some of the things that we've done. When we, what we need from God is mercy, not judgment. Amen? But this world is so quick to judge, and we as Christians are so quick to judge. And oftentimes I've found that, that non-believing people, non-Christian people can sometimes be more merciful to people than Christian people are. We're living in a world where we judge others by their actions, but we judge ourselves by our intentions. We say to others, you did that, we say to ourselves and to others about ourselves, but I meant that. You did that, 
I meant that. You see what the double standard we have? We're so sensitive and insensitive all at the same time. It's, it's funny how, again, what a double standard people have is that we're very, very, very sensitive to how other people treat us, but we're often very insensitive to how we treat others. And if we could just get that reversed, like if we could just switch that and become way more sensitive to how we treat others and way more insensitive to how people treat us, some great things would happen. And so let me let's dive into this a little bit deeper. Let's go back to the scripture I mentioned to you before that in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 10, he says, and many will be offended. Matthew chapter 24, verse 10, and many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. So we talked about this downward spiral last time we were together on this topic. But notice where it starts. It starts with being offended and they'll betray one another and hate one another. And now I want you to look at this verse because he uses Jesus is saying this and he uses the word offended. And he says he says many will be offended, but the NIV sheds some other light on this to help us understand what does he mean by many will be offended? What happens when you're offended? Look at what it says in the NIV translation. At that time, many will turn away from the faith. Many will turn away from the faith. So he's saying when you get offended, you're going to turn away from the faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. And without faith, you can't get your prayers answered. And without faith, you can't, um, you can't receive the promises of God. Without faith, you can't have joy in your life. There, so we have to understand what Jesus is saying is when we, when we get offended, it causes us to turn away from the faith. And if you look at the New Living Translation, it, 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 Jesus brings it even more close to home. Look at what he says in the New Living Translation. And many will turn away from me. Jesus says, many will turn away from me. So he is telling us something that uh, being offended is so diabolical. It is so evil that what it does is it turns you away from faith and it turns you away from Jesus. What it does is it hardens your heart because you get offended. And really all that we're doing when we get offended is we are trying to trying to prove our intolerance for sin. We're trying to prove our intolerance for injustice. So when somebody says something wrong or somebody does something wrong, we have to be offended by that to prove that we will not tolerate that. And the fact is, is we got to stop being offended at the, at the little things that people do. And if we're going to be offended at real injustice, let's do something about it. Let's not be offended by it. Let's, let's use injustice as an opportunity for us to bring good to the world rather than being lazy people. L lazy people just get offended and then by having this sense of intolerance for other people's sins or other, other people's wrongdoings or wrong words or uh, whatever the sin might be. It could be you know, sexual sin, it could be racism, it could be, whatever it is, we somehow are we're too lazy to actually do something about it. So we instead are just offended by it to show that we have this moral standard and this moral code. And you know what? Being offended by something does nothing but turn you away from faith and turn you away from Jesus. It moves you away from faith. It moves you away from Jesus. Now, the good news is that even when we turn from him, he says, many will turn away from me. But even if you turned away from God, Jesus will never turn away from you. And so no matter where you find yourself at in life today, 
God will always give. There is hope for no matter where you are in life. Maybe you turned away from the Lord because your heart got offended, your heart got unforgiving, your heart grew hard, but Jesus didn't turn away from you. You might have turned from him, but he never turns away from you. If you denied him, he will not deny you. If you reject him, he will not reject you. Listen, we, we set ourselves up. We position ourselves for failure in life. Jesus never gives us failure in life. We choose to be offended, and therefore it damages our faith. It hinders our relationship with God, and it causes us to become bitter, negative people. And if you want to know what, what really happens is look at verse 11, going back to the New King James translation of this passage. In verse 11, it says, and then false, many false prophets will arise and deceive many. And then verse 12, look at what happens. And then as a result of what? Being offended, lawlessness will abound. And then what happens? The love of many will grow cold. Now, what happens when our love grows cold? Well, let's talk about that. When your love grows cold, several things began to crumble. Several things began begin to deteriorate. Okay, because the Bible says love never fails. So if your love grows cold, then you're going to give up. You're going to fail. You're going to be defeated in life when your love grows cold. Because when you have hot love, well, the Bible says when you're walking in love, we have the love of God, understand the love of God. We all have the love of God. But when you understand the love of God and you're walking in it, you won't fail. So when your love grows cold, guess what's going to happen? You're going to fail. So see what goes into effect when our love grows cold? Our victory grows cold. You know what else happens? The Bible says faith works through love. Galatians 5, verse 6. Faith works through love. Say that out loud. Faith works through love. So if our love grows cold, then guess what? Our faith doesn't work. What else happens? Well, the Bible says that love, that because of God's love, he was moved with compassion and he healed the sick. He cast out demons. He brought his miraculous power everywhere he went because of his love. His love was hot, so miracles happened. Miracles are the overflow of God's love and compassion. Miracles are the overflow of God's love and compassion. Move with compassion, he healed their sick. Move with compassion, he opened the eyes of the blind. Move with compassion, he fed the multitude. So if our love grows cold, guess what? Then the miracles that God wants to do are going to grow cold. If, we, if our love grows cold, then we rob this world of the miracles that God wants to do through us. See, love is what... Love is what makes Christianity real. Love is what makes it stop being a religious belief and makes it a reality to every human being it comes in contact with. The love of God. That I, whoa, God, you've been so merciful to me. When somebody wrongs me, it's okay. You gave me grace, so let me give them grace. Being offended is the refusal to give someone grace. Remember, there were offended in verse in verse 10. Many will be offended. We're offended in verse 10, but jump to verse 12. And what happens when we're offended? Lawlessness abounds or lawlessness increases. Now, the word lawlessness is the same word as sin. So notice what he says. So we're offended, then sin abounds. And once sin abounds, the love of many will grow cold. So we want to reverse that, right? We'd like, to, we'd like to back that up and reverse it. So notice the process. We get offended, then, we, then lawlessness abounds or sin increases, 
and then the love of many grow cold. So if we could reverse this, how would we reverse it? Well, since lawlessness or sin abounds and, it, and the result of it is that many's love, many of our love will grow cold, most people's love will grow cold, then we need to make sure grace abounds. So <laughs> the Bible says where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. So guess what? When we're offended, we stop spreading grace. But when we refuse to be offended, we start giving out grace. We start giving out mercy. We start giving out a second chance to people. We start saying, you know what? I might not agree with that person and I might have a different opinion, but I am not going to be offended at them because they have a different opinion than me. And I'm not going to be mad at them because they cut me off on the road. Give them some grace, folks. Give them some grace because what happens? Somebody cuts you off. you got no grace. Guess what you do have? You have a few fingers or at least one that shines brightly amongst the others. <laughs> What did you do? They cut you off. And what did you do? You refused to give them grace. What does that mean? You were offended by them. You were offended by what they did. Now, if you would give them some grace and be like, you know what? I cut some people off sometimes. You know what? You know, somebody had somebody let me in when 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 I was on the shoulder and then I kind of squeezed into the. Oh, somebody has got to say amen to that. But what do we get? We get offended. Or, you know what you do? You, you kind of move over and you, be, you become the you know, citizen's police officer and you move your car over so they can't get by. Give them some grace. We get so, you know, like, like, like one car getting ahead of you is going to delay you. You know why you're late? Because you didn't plan ahead. Not because somebody got ahead of you. You were lazy, you left late, you thought, oh, I'll, I'll make up for it on the highway. Yeah, you'll make up for it, all right. <laughs> you, oh, oh, and if you do make up for it, wow, you did really good. You made it one car length ahead of everybody else. <laughs> if he said, where sin abounds, uh, Paul said in Romans chapter 6, where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. So if, if when lawlessness abounds, see, hear my logic here. If when lawlessness abounds, many people's hearts will grow cold, love will grow cold, then if, if grace abounds, then people's love will grow hot. Amen. This is why we are to be the distributors of God's grace. This is why we need to give people grace, give people room. Folks, we got to stop trying to build a world where we don't give anybody room to make mistakes and we don't give anybody room to be different and we don't give any room for people to have their own opinion. They don't have to agree with you. You don't always agree with everybody else. You don't always agree with God. If anybody should be intolerant towards anybody else, it should be God. And yet he is the most, he is the most inclusive being in the universe. He gives everybody a chance and a second chance and a seventh chance. And the Bible says if a righteous man falls, he can get up seven times. And if you think that's good, if you think that's good, think about what Jesus said to Peter when he said, if our brother sins against us, should we forgive him? How many times should we forgive him? Seven times? And Jesus said, no. How about 70 times seven in a day? And if he's telling us to give people grace 490 times a day, how much more do you think he's given us grace? How many more times has God given grace to us? If we have the capacity 
to give grace to people 490 times a day because Jesus wouldn't tell us to do something that he didn't give us the power to do, right? Now, remember, I gave you the logic as to why, what happens when love grows cold. We don't, we don't end up winning the world to Jesus. Miracles stop. Faith doesn't work, and we fail in life. So if our love can get hot, miracles are going to abound. Souls are going to get saved. The gospel is going to spread. We're going to win in life, and our faith is going to work if we can get our love to grow hot. And so if our love grows cold because lawlessness abounds, then our love will grow hot where grace abounds. You might be saved, but your heart is hard. And you're going to get offended when people slight you. And because of the spirit of inferiority, you know, that sense of, you know, I already feel low about myself. So this was a lady uh, who, um, she, was, <laughs> she was on a cruise and, and um, somebody came up to her that she'd never met before and she said, on this cruise, and she said, how, how, how old are you? Never met her before. She said, how old are you? And, uh, and she said, I'm going to guess 52. Now the lady was 42, but she didn't, she didn't tell her. The lady was 42 and the lady was guessing. She said, how old are you? I'm going to guess you're 52. And the lady said to her, wow, do I look that old? And she said, okay, maybe 48. Maybe you're 48. And this lady was really offended. She didn't say, she never told her how old she was. But she realized when she sat back and let her emotions subside. And this is how we need to do it when we're offended. We need to let our emotions subside. She asked herself, now, why did that bother me so much? And it wasn't because this lady said, how old are you? You look 52 to me. The reason why that had an effect on her, and she admits it later, she said, because I, I realized I was grappling already with how I felt about my age, and I felt like I was getting older, and I felt like I was you know, not at my best. And so when somebody said that, it, it, what it did was it amplified how she already felt about herself. And instead of dealing with those feelings in her heart about herself, instead she put the blame on this person who offended her, but really that person didn't offend her. She was offended by the fact that she didn't deal with self. She didn't confront that inferiority in her. She didn't confront that anxiety in her. She didn't confront those fears in her. And so she became sensitive to anything that somebody else said about her. Can you see how this spirit operates and gets us focused on fixing everybody around us so they say the right things and treat us right and never wrong us while we disguise our own sense of inferiority, our own sense of low self-worth inside. We disguise it by blaming other people for making us feel what we already felt, but we just never, it just never came to the surface. So what we got to do is we got to confront self. We got to confront being self-absorbed uh, and self-centered. And we've got to die to self and stop being so sensitive to self. The Bible says Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. In Philippians chapter 2, he how did he humble himself? By becoming obedient to the point of death. You know, you know, how, you, you know how you know you're humble? 
Because God gives, of course, remember, God gives grace to the humble. You know how you know you're humble? When you're dead. <laughs> Let me finish. <laughs> as soon as you die, you're really humble. Because you go to the ground, and the word humble in the Bible, or humility in the Bible, actually comes from the word hummus or humus, which means earth, soil, dirt. So yeah, when you die, you become dirt. You become, you become, you become the earth that people walk on. Well, you know, we don't always, they don't always walk on it, but you're buried in the earth. You're, you're dust and ashes, ashes and dust. You're, you're, you're done, man. You're earth. You're earth for somebody else to walk on. That's what the word humility means. So you know what we ought to do is we ought to hurry up our death, not by killing ourselves, but by crucifying our flesh and our self-centeredness of being so sensitive to how people treat us. Ah, how dare you? It's what I love about Joseph in the Bible is that he accepted what his brothers did to him. But look at here's how life works, folks. Here's how life will work for you. Accept. We need to accept and then we need to expect. We need to accept what other people have done. And we need to, we need to, we need to accept what other people do. I don't, I'm not saying to like sit there and just be abused. I'm just saying stop thinking that you can, you can build a life where nobody ever does you wrong. Stop trying to insulate, stop trying to isolate and insulate your life like that. You, people are going to do you wrong. But that's not what determines the outcome of your life, what people do to you. What determines the outcome of your life is the choice you make about how to respond. How you choose to respond is what determines the outcome of your life. Now think about it. So what people do to you, we need to accept what people do to us, but expect God to outdo whatever they did. Instead of Instead of demanding people don't do, don't do that to me. Don't say that about me. I got to cleanse the world around me and cleanse life around me so that nobody ever says anything bad about me or my people or my family or this or that. Instead of trying to purge the earth of everybody's wrong statements and wrong attitudes and wrong behaviors and wrong actions, instead, embrace it. Accept that people are going to behave that way. I'm not saying to excuse it and I'm not saying to allow injustice to be done to somebody. If you can help... Uh, somebody be rescued from harm by all means do it but you understand the point accept a world where it's gonna offend you accept a world where people are gonna do 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 but expect a God who's going to outdo 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 whatever somebody does God's gonna outdoes it you hear me whatever somebody does God's gonna outdoes it he's gonna outdo it outdid it, and outdoes it God will outdo or undo what man has done. In Genesis 50, verse 20, they, they thought, Joseph's brothers thought they were gonna, he was going to kill them because they betrayed him. But what did, how did Joseph respond? In verse 20, he said, what you meant for evil, you guys meant it for evil. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, or God turned it into good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Notice his faith. Notice why Joseph why Joseph was used by God and why a whole world was affected by one man's faith. Because he did not place his faith in what people have done, had done to him. He placed his faith 
in God outdoing and undoing what people did to him. And he said, you meant it for evil. No problem. I'm thrown into a pit, sold into slavery. I don't like it, but I accept what you did to me and I expect God to undo it, outdo it, redo it, make it better than anything I could ever imagine. And then God, you know what happens when you believe that God can outdo whatever people did? You know what happens? God takes your little dream that you thought where your brothers were just gonna bow before you and he turns your dream into his dream and he rescues a world through you. That's called influence. That's called leadership. That's called influence. And I'm raising up here in this church a generation of leaders. God's raising up in this church. And those of you that are that are connected to us in some way, we're going to be leaders, influencers, because leadership is influence. Leadership is not authority over somebody else. Leadership is influence that flows from you and affects other people in a positive way. And when you believe in a God who can outdo people's doo-doo, <laughs> when you believe that God can outdo everybody else's doo-doo and everything else people have done to you or not done for you, God will outdo it. He will undo it. He will overdo it. He will blow you away with it and you will have influence. Choose. I refuse to be offended because I believe in a bigger God than your small petty offense. And your life will get better and better and bigger and more influential and more powerful than you could ever imagine. Hey everyone, thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. Before we wrap up, I wanted to share this quick note from Cora who wrote in the other day. She says, Pastor Dickow, on day six, you helped us fast from the thought that says, I feel anxious. I needed that. I'm already feeling less anxious in some of the things I used to be really stressed out about. I believe that the Holy Spirit is quietly working on my heart and helping me rest in the finished work Jesus did for me. God is so good, and I am looking forward to where my continued journey in fasting from wrong thinking will lead me. God bless. We have been receiving so many amazing testimonies from people like Cora who have been impacted by the fast from wrong thinking. If you want to share how this fast has been a blessing in your life, we'd love to hear from you. You can send in your story at gregorydickow.com story. That link will also be in the description of this episode. And remember, you can still sign up for the 40-day fast from wrong thinking if you haven't started yet. Just visit fastfromwrongthinking.com. We'll catch you tomorrow and have a great day.